The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, listen to another parable. There was a landlord who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stones that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, which was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Last week, I told you that it had been a holy week, and I had no idea how accurate that would be. Last week, we entered into Jerusalem once again with Jesus, and we began his holy week in Matthew's gospel, and from the beginning of the encounters, he's at odds with those in charge. 
That was the Monday after his entry. And this last Monday is where today's gospel is situated. The synchronicity is almost unbearable that in the events of Las Vegas, we would have this gospel in which Jesus speaks of his own impending death. <clears throat> Scholars have long been divided about this gospel passage, some maintaining that it is authentically a Jesus parable. But the majority now think that probably it's not in the form we have it, that it shows too much of the early church and too much of their reflection in knowledge about Jesus' death, but that Jesus most likely said a parable very similar to this or that the kernel of this parable was there and that's what allowed the community to build on it. I suppose it doesn't really matter because it is true and here we are as the body of Christ witnessing it. It is a parable about knowledge. It's a parable about being known as the tenant, the owner of the vineyard sends in his son who they know and surely they'll listen and they kill him. It's a parable that is so rich with imagery and knowledge from the first century of Palestine that the readers in Matthew's gospel would have known exactly how to hear it. They knew the economic system it was based on in which vast estates in the land were controlled by absentee landlords who would send emissaries to collect rents from time to time. And it's that knowledge of economy that strikes me so mysteriously in how we've heard this parable and seen this parable lived out in the events of Las Vegas. An economic system which gives us pretty much what we want if we're the chosen. The collect from today tells us to be aware of that and to ask God not to listen to us too seriously. But an economic system of Las Vegas, an economic system that handed a room to the person who perpetrated this as a comp, because he was a high ruler, made his living there. I think that this parable that Jesus tells and the parable that we're living in 
almost daily, is really about the kind of culture that we want. And it's an invitation to us to lay down some of those desires and some of those privileges which we've begun to call our entitlement because they are killing us. Perhaps the most enigmatic line in today's gospel is when Jesus says, the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. I think we know that so well. Because in the light of our tragedies, and especially last week, I think that many people, including myself, can ask, how could God let this happen? And yet in this parable, we're given the response. God doesn't let it happen. God endures it. The master endures the death of his son. And Jesus, using this parable in this way of speaking, I think that this sentence says, the one who can fall on me, the cornerstone, will be broken into pieces. It's the only way to get there, to encounter grief, to enter into brokenness, to enter into the lives of those that our systems are oppressing, and probably the systems that are oppressing us. That's the only way. But those who do not have that or haven't been invited or can't make that leap of faith, will be crushed under it. And that's what we experience. How could God let this happen? And how can we endure it as if we're not the ones in charge of changing it? God isn't. We are. And even if God could, as the parable says, would we accept it? Even in the parable when Jesus asks his disciples, how is he going to respond to these tenants? How, hear how they answer. It's a familiar way to us. With revenge, they're gonna, he's going to kill them all. And Jesus says, have you not heard? The stone rejected will become the cornerstone. God's activity is about raising up. And that's our hope. Is it any surprise that in this Holy Week experience we have in the gospel and that we're having in our lives, the words that we have in this today are words of Easter and resurrection. We use that psalm, surely the cornerstone for Easter Sunday morning. That's what new life will be about. Not a return to the old one, but one that is created in a very new and very inclusive way. 
It's the reason that we embarked on stewardship now and that this is so fitting for the fact that we're in the middle of it. Here is a community that knows Paul's epistle today. And you are, in his namesake, that community that I know nothing of gain except the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord and him crucified for me. Paul was the one who had it all. Paul was the one who persecuted the early church because he was right and then got knocked down on the cornerstone and shattered into pieces, blinded, and now he sees. If you want an identity, you have it. And the good thing is you're already doing it. That's what we're celebrating in stewardship, all of the ministries in this place that go out from here. But they do require money. It requires money to do those things. That's our economic system and how we can use it the way we're supposed to. It requires money to maintain this beautiful space. But it is not a shrine. And it is not decorated. It's the holy place of God. And those who come in here know that. And they say it over and over. And that's why we have it. Not because it's pretty. And not because it's the best. Because it allows us to lay ourselves on the cornerstone and find that kind of trust. This last Wednesday, at a celebration of new ministry, you practiced your identity. The hospitality that I saw in welcome, the hospitality that was extended to me, the care that you have of meeting people when they come in and talking with them, and the hospitality you exhibited when a member of this community who's fallen away, who's now homeless, walked through those gates and that portico because the door was open and he didn't know what was going on and he came in the middle of the celebration and I saw it and I thought, thank you, holy God. That's St. Paul's and you introduced me to him at the reception. I got a wonderful card on Wednesday that was mysteriously labeled 23, 23rd I, I say. And I didn't make the connection until I opened it that I'm the 23rd pastor and rector of this community. And the card was a wonderful invitation to tell us what you need and we will help you do it. I mean, it was fabulous. It was an invitation. And as I thought about it, the only thing really that could come to my mind was the parallel to Psalm 23, which is the psalm we always turn to in times of distress and its familiar and the comforting images. And I thought, if there's one thing that I want my rectorship to be, it's to be in a community that embodies that psalm. And you do. Hear it once again.
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He revives my soul and guides me along right pathways for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You spread a table before me in the presence of those who trouble me. In the presence of my enemies, you have anointed my head with oil and my cup is running over. Surely your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forevermore. If you're yourself, St. Paul's, you will know nothing but the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ as your Lord and him crucified. And as you spread table before your enemies and those who have been rejected and those stones that have been cast down, you will fall on it and you will be broken wide open and you will know resurrection and God's presence and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forevermore. Amen.